Retro Groove. I'm Liam D, and uh, my buddy Adam C is off this week, but we're still a podcast. Uh, we still talk about music, standing the test of time, artists and albums, and such that have shaped and reshaped the sonic landscape, and covering some new music from those artists too. Um, this week, because I am Sans Adam, I'm excited to be joined by my good friend, Mark Says Hi. Thanks for hanging today, Mark. You got it, Ben. I wish I would have used the moniker Mark S. through my entire childhood. It would have saved me a lot of agony and pain. <laughs> yeah, we were we, we did the Beastie Boys kind of thing, like Adam D., yeah, MCA. We were feeling like, eh, Liam D. feels good. Yeah. Uh, Mar- Mark um, Seaman, are you there? Uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's Mark yeah, yeah, S. Yeah, Mark Seaman. It's Mark S. Yeah. Thank you very much. <laughs> Um, Mark is a musician, a comedian, radio host, producer, and he and I uh, met like 15 years ago, it must be at this point, as we were kind of clawing our way into the world of broadcast. Um, and uh, for better or for worse, here we are, right? <laughs> yeah, let's, I'm going to say better, uh, you know? Yeah, I think I so. Mean, That's cool. Some, we're there, doing this. There were That's some cool. worse patches in there, but uh, not between you and I, obviously. It's not yeah. like we have some beef. But, but uh, yeah. if we had some beef, it's because we went out to dinner together, and that was, uh, it was yeah, a good Yeah, that's right. Place, it was so. delicious. Um, yeah, Mark and I kind of bonded over our unique uh, taste in music and our sense of humor and our kind of uh, perspective on life almost, uh, being in like a big corporate community and then just seeing how ridiculous but also wonderful it could be right um and so you were kind of my brother in arms for a long time there um as we took different paths you were hosting radio shows and i was kind of putting stuff together behind the scenes um but it was you know i've I've always kind of valued our friendship a lot you know there's you meet so many people in this industry and you get to know a lot of people and you can kind of see the relationships that last a while at just organically um and I've always, you know, tossing texts around, meeting up with our families. Um, so I, I've always kind of, I've really valued our friendship, and and I'm excited to to get to talk to you today a bit, um, and be on this side of the microphone a little bit with. Well, you, you told me to bring the music knowledge, not a Kleenex box. What's going on here? Ah! Um, <laughs> look, to put it simply, you know, there's always one, maybe two, if you're lucky, people in your life that know where the bodies are and, and Liam mm-hmm. knows where the bodies are. So mm-hmm. that's, that's, uh, that's how much I value our relationship. Yeah, so couldn't have said it better myself. Very kind words, man. Too kind. Appreciate it. And, uh, hopefully we'll, we'll, uh, retire in Ireland somewhere and, uh, and Something like open that. Up a comic book video game shop. So yeah, <laughs> that sounds awesome. Um, so we're going to be talking about a few things today. We'll talk about some uh, music we're listening to, couple questions, a little music news, and then the reason that I asked you here, um, Weezer. So Weezer in our little community, uh, we have a lot of Weezer fans. It was actually just brought up the other day by Dan. Um, He was talking about sort of the redeeming qualities of Make Believe as an album. And uh, he doesn't know that we're talking about Weezer on this episode today. Oh, nice. He's going to freak. Um, Yeah. 
So, uh, so yeah, so our, so our B-side this week is going to be a little Weezer talk because Mark is a card-carrying member of the Weezer fan club and I believe has been or was for since its inception since, almost. Since right? the inception. Yeah, we'll get into it, man. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, at this point you can say ARP, I think, right? Is it, uh... Yeah, <laughs> getting close to it, yeah. Um, so, so real quick, I don't know, um, if you've got any music that you're listening to right now. Um, I've got a couple things that I recently picked up that, uh, I'll point out to the audience. Um, there's this great artist called Yola. Um, she just put out her second album, uh, produced by Dan Auerbach called Stand For Myself. Um, she's such a badass British lady who, headed to Nashville and is kind of blended like a classic Motown sound with a Nashville kind of bluesy country edge. And she's, she's killing it. So I, it's fantastic. Um, Bleachers also just put out their album. That's Jack Antonoff's band. Um, killer. Like I, I, it's been said on this podcast a few t- times that I have a difficult relationship with Bruce Springsteen. Um, I, he's not my favorite, but um, but I can appreciate what he did to impact some of my favorite artists, and and Jack's one of them. Um, and what's crazy is Jack also just produced Lord's new album, which comes out this week, um, and I'm excited to check that out. Um, yeah, what? And then but not to stop thing, you, Liam, but yeah, what what yeah, album is Jack Antonoff not on? By the way, I think I know I, he does Taylor Swift. I think he's Saint on Vincent, my new everything. album, and I haven't even started recording it so. yet. So <laughs> I hope he's so. He's like, oh, Mark, I'm going to email you some tracks for your new album. What? Oh, <laughs> yeah, a few, a few, a few shows back, uh, the question got put to us by one of the community members: Who would we want to work with? And I was just like, I guess Jack Antonoff. I don't have anything to work with. I have no music to make. But like, if I did, I'd want to work with that's him a, because oh, everybody a, else is. Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, he's up there yeah. for sure. I ran into him randomly yeah. at a Mets game. We were walking. Wow, uh, back where the Shake Shack is. Like, uh, uh-huh. and I, I saw him, and like nobody, you know, he's a short guy, right? And and yeah. he's just walking by everyone, unassuming. Yeah, looking, yeah, yeah, super unassuming. And I just uh, looked at him. I didn't want to call. You know, you don't want to blow someone's spot up, right? So. But mm-hmm. we made eye contact and I gave him the like, you know, the head nod. I gave him the, yeah. Nice. Right on, man. Yeah. And he just looked back and goes, I got you. I got you. Um, that's so, awesome. So he was yeah. pretty cool in that way. But uh, that's a great yeah. question. Man, there's this guy, Linus of Hollywood. Do you know him? Mm-mm. Okay, so Linus of Hollywood is amazing, okay? He's he's so talented. He was in this band called Size 14. And okay. uh, they wrote a song called Claire Dane's Poster. And it's, it's, nice. it's really funny, right? And this is, this is about yeah. early 2000s. It might even been been 1999 or 2000 and he was we love that era yeah and and he he moved from florida to california to to work in music and Mm -hmm. since then he's worked with huge acts you know from like pink um mr big like across the whole music spectrum and this guy is just amazing i can't encourage people to check out linus of hollywood and he's also the guitar player for nerf herder right now he's in like a boatload of bands he's in this brand new band that just came out Called Able Machines, and uh, I'll uh, I don't know if you guys put links to any of this stuff, but yeah. uh, there's I'm gonna send you a link. It's it's a can't miss tra- killer track. Yeah, we'll put it on the playlist and, uh, for sure. Yeah, so check out Able Machines. They're gonna blow up, and uh, yeah, he's just he's like uh, play every instrument. You know, the guy's just like a walking legend, and nobody knows who he is. It's a shame. And he acts as a producer with those artists yeah, or a songwriter? Both. Sometimes both. Sometimes just producer. Sometimes he'll just play bass. Like whatever someone needs, he'll just do it. And cool. uh, yeah, it's pretty amazing. Wow. Um, and then the last thing I picked up was um, 
the Ava Max, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with her. She's a recent pop artist. She's got an album called Heaven and Hell. My daughter is hooked on pop radio right now and has identified and and fallen in love with like the three songs of hers that they're playing off of this album. And so I went to the record store to get some stuff and my daughter came with me and we she likes flipping through. It's a fun thing to flip through and see all the pictures and see all the artists. And she saw her as we were, you know, I knew we were looking in the right spot uh, and I wanted to see her reaction. And she saw it and she's just like, Ava Max? And, and I was like, yeah, 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 this is her album. This has all the music on it. And she's like, which song is this? And I was like, it, it's all of them. And she was like, daddy, daddy, can I have this? And I couldn't say no. I try not to give her everything she wants, right. obviously. But I was like, you want you want you want to buy your first vinyl record with me right now? Yeah, yeah, we can do that. <laughs> she's like, and I have a frame for it. She's yeah. like, actually, hold on, this isn't 180 gram vinyl. Let's uh, let, yeah, let's no, put this not. back. Let's put this back. But it's clear orange. Oh, it's nice. special edition clear orange. Amazing. So I was like, this is going to look really cool when we open it up. That's yeah. great. So so we we popped that on the record player and danced around to it, and it's just been one of those like. You know, you have tons of seminal uh, experiences as a parent, all these like many, many milestones that are important to you, whatever they are. And I wasn't even anticipating that one at the moment. And I was like, oh, this is this is happening right now. Oh, my God, this is great. Yeah, let's buy music together. <laughs> what a cool feeling, right? I mean, it, it's so did, weird. Now, yeah. did, is that an experience you ever had with your parents? Because I, I can't say... Like my parents showed me music, but it was because mm-hmm. they just had like a vinyl collection stashed in a storage part of our house and I basically cracked it open and started messing around with it. Right. So, yeah, I didn't have that. My parents showed me stuff on like MTV and VH1. I de- that was on in the house. And so I remember crying to Peter Gabriel's sledgehammer video um, and being enamored with George Harrison's. I got my mind set on you when the whole room comes alive. Um, but uh, I didn't ever go, I never bought music with them. My genesis was more so that I had friends who started listening to like Weird Al and they had these CDs and I was like, well, my parents have a CD player in their car and I can go and buy a CD of Weird Al. <laughs> and so let's just put those two things together. And so I was like, my parents let me listen to Weird Al in the car a whole bunch. Like I went to the wall. I don't know. What was your local record uh, store? The did you wall. have one? Yeah, we did. We had a, a, a local record shop called NRM. It was an acronym mm-hmm. and it stood for National Record Mart. And okay. I, the first time I ever went in there, I just walked in and said, I'm going to work here someday. And it and, did you? and I did. It turned out that my nice. next door neighbor happened to be the regional manager for National oh Record Mart and got me my <laughs> first job in the mall. And That's and so I told great. him I was like, "Don't you don't even have to get me. You don't even have to give me paychecks. Just let me pick out five or six CDs or however much my paycheck was worth." And that's really? literally what I did. I, I wow. flipped the paycheck around and just bought all music. Did you burn out on working there though? No, are you kidding me? No way, man. New albums coming really? out every week. No, never, right. never got burned out. I mean, I was so into music at that point that, uh, it was not only cool to be in the environment, but you got mm-hmm. to talk, you got to do customer service in an environment that, that other people were clearly coming in and, and were passionate for. And so to be yeah. able to share those experiences and also discover new music, I would have never heard of the band Cake unless somebody came in there and said, hey, I'm looking for cake and we didn't have it. And I was like, who's that? And then I found out and I was like, oh my God, I love this band, you know? So yeah. Yeah, I, I discovered so many bands that way, just communicating with the with the customers in the shop. So no, could never burn out on that, no. 
All right. I missed that gig. Um, Didn't pay well, but I missed so, that gig. <laughs> <laughs> so I have one question before we get into music news that I wanted to toss at you. Mm-hmm. Um, and you take a second to think on it. I, I see your shirt. I think it's the one that your daughter picked out for you, right? Yep. Aquapath. That's right. Is there this on is. video or are we doing just audio? No, it's not. Okay, it's not. Audio. But okay. uh, we'll theater of the mind. You got it. Um, band that you own the most merch from or of. Oh, wow. Um, okay. All time? So I, all time? I, like just yeah, still think, going? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, probably. I, I think right now, currently, mine is, is I think it's probably the Gaslight Anthem. And part of that's because it's whenever they put something else out, um, I'll get it for my wife or my wife will get it for me. Like we have a bunch of, and I'm talking like posters too, things like that. Like any of that sort of collectible things, like that's just one of our bonding artists. It's like this, this, uh, kind of experience that we have together throughout our relationship with this band. And so I think I've got like six shirts. She has four. We have like 10 posters, like, yeah, it's. Nice. It, I mean, you walk around our house and you just see it a ton. <laughs> um, but I know that you've got some cool shoes and lots of shirts and stuff. So I'm wondering, is it Aquabats? Is it Weezer? Well, uh, they might be giants, might be up there. They might be giants, I, yeah. I would have to say as a whole, probably they might be giants. And the reason why it's not the aforementioned Weezer or the Aquabats is just they might be giants have been a thing since 1982. Right. So Mm -hmm. there has been a lot more to collect and obtain. And, um, you know, I, God, I go through t-shirts so fast. If I, if I had to put some money on it, I I would say they might be giants. I mean, I have weird, obscure items from them. I have their first ever release, which is a, do you remember those flimsy disc vinyls? Oh yeah. yeah. So I have their first ever release, which is on one of those flimsy disc vinyls and and when i met john and john i showed it to him and john was like oh my god i don't even think i have this anymore and and he goes he flips it over he goes see this phone number on the back that was my phone number at my old apartment when i moved to new york city and i was like oh my god that's incredible and so it was cool to to get that info and learn that stuff but um well that's and that's also from the era when you would actually like mail in for merch right you'd hit up asian man records by sending a letter a self-addressed stamp envelope or mike park you are the man how cool is mike park that guy (laughs) i i got in touch with him through writing a letter like you were mentioning and he wrote me back this huge letter and i've been in touch with him ever since still to this day uh could, could shoot an email over there he'll get back to me and I collected Asian Man number one all the way through, you know, whenever I left college. And Mm -hmm. uh, it's pretty wild to see not only all the bands, but band members that came out of that scene and have gone on to great success and stuff. But yeah, I mean, the guy was doing it out of his garage and like, he he was like, come on over. You want to see the shop? It's, I'm literally going to lift my garage over it and I'm going to do it. But, um, and, and show it to you. But uh, yeah, they might be giants by far. I mean, I've had hats from them, socks shirts you know and what's your favorite what's your favorite they might be giants merch so you know you know they might be giants are so they're so great right on a different they're just on a different level for me Mm -hmm. um they made two songs for me they made a ringtone when ringtones were a thing with my name in it and then just recently they made a song and they sent it to me and it's got my name in it and it's about like a guy getting pulled over and I'm the guy getting pulled over. And it's like, what are you doing, man? That's so cool. Like, uh, apparently I'm like a reckless driver or something. Yeah. It's like, it's like a two minute jam. It's pretty wild. So to like, to be able to like show that to my kid. Yeah. 
is is it's one thing to share a band, but to interact with a band and and connect with them at a, like a level like that. Even even in the past, you know, when I've interviewed bands and to you know, it's one thing to say thank you, but you can really get in the weeds, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and and they get it because they're musicians like I am, yeah, and so they know what it's like to be an artist and connect with somebody, right? So, um, and I've I've got a cool story about that when we get to the to the Weezer portion. All right, cool. Um, well, I'm going to touch on a couple of music history points here real quick. Um, so, back in 1965, this week, the Beatles played Shea Stadium, setting a record for the largest attendance at a pop concert. Um, over 55,000 fans, which now seems like nothing when you have music festivals and such. But back then, it was pretty bananas to have a have a pop group that drew that many people um, to that. Um, and then a few years later, you had Woodstock, which kicked off this week, um, which had 400,000 people attending it. Um, kind of the, the the mother of all music festivals, or at least the one that kind of kicked it off, was a free ticket, wasn't supposed to be, but they kind of made it so because everyone just kind of showed up and they had no choice. Yeah, um, you see a lot of footage of uh, fences getting ripped open. Yeah. And just crawling in. So. But very different from the um, from the Woodstock 99. I have not watched the documentary yet. I don't know if you have. It's, it's insane. Have it's, you watched it? I've watched it. Uh. It is, first of all, hell of a documentary is it I mean, it was just super well made it's it's fantastic and it really does a good job of cat capturing that not only that moment like you know that particular festival mm-hmm. but just the social context that's surrounding it yeah and uh it's it's the documentary is amazing it's depressing it's heartbreaking and it's uh it's it's unreal in some points. Yeah. I heard there's a lot of Moby, maybe too much Moby in the documentary. Too much Moby. Yeah, too much, too much Moby. Moby. Yeah, that, that can be a thing. Um, but uh, 30, the 90s also had too much Moby. Yeah, there was so. too much Moby all across the board. Uh, but to think that it had the namesake 30 years later of something that also ripped the fences down, but aside, then there were issues with the original Woodstock, but not to the extent of 99. It was a, it could have been a complete disaster, and instead you had these iconic moments of Hendrix and Santana and The Who come out of that, as opposed to Limp Bizkit and the Red Hot Chili Peppers or, or whatnot. Just at, there were things being set on fire. And it's just it, awful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, that, your, your mind might change a little bit when you watch Woodstock '99 because they talk about that first festival and how the you know I don't want to spoil this for mm-hmm. you, but but they talk about how why people in society choose to remember that first Woodstock a certain way. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. All right. I definitely, yeah. it's, it's on my list. I got to get my, it's HBO, right? I got to get my subscription yep, back up. Yeah. I'll share my password. Uh, Isn't that what we do these days? <laughs> Something like that. Um, also this week, uh, we lost Elvis Presley. Um, was a crazy thing. I'm not a big Elvis guy, but it's one of those things when you see the age that he died at, where, do you know how old he was when he died, Mark? I'm going to guess, you know, I don't. So I'm going to take a wild stab at it. And I feel like these guys always, you know, th- these legends die so young, yeah. right? That's just, the, it's not the, the 27 club. That's right. No, but, it's not the yeah. 27. I'm going to, I'm going to say, I'm going to say 38. Yeah. Close. He's 42. And 42. And you think, oh my God, I'm it, 42. Uh, that's what I'm saying. Right. <laughs> like we're right in that area now. Um, no more I, cheese. <laughs> you think Should of, I take the, yeah, no cheese. <laughs> no cheese pizza. Thank you. Um, you think of 
what his image became, that Vegas white uh, suit and black hair, overweight. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that that feels like a 50, 60-year-old Elvis to me. When I see the Absolutely. Elvis impersonators, it feels like someone who's much older. And really, he was doing that in his late 30s um, and then died at 42. Um, so crazy. And then uh, another death, this one very different, uh, Lou Pearlman died this week back in 2016. Um, if you're not familiar with Lou Pearlman, he was the orchestrator of Backstreet Boys and NSYNC and, and all of the, uh, the girls that you were chasing back in, in high school and, and such. Uh, he made the, the groups that made you look bad. Um, I do still have a fondness for that music still. Um, but so in two- I love that you can love that. I, I love that you can admit it and I love yeah. that you love it. Yeah. This is a no judgment zone and we're going to get into that oh, with good. Weezer too, for sure. Good. Um, so, but in 2006, uh, he was accused of running a huge Ponzi scam, um, 300 million in debt, went to jail in 2008, 25 years in prison. Um, and then, uh, and then died in 2016. Do you think they uh, played Bye 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 or whatever that song was at his funeral? <laughs> Do you think they... Uh, yeah, yeah. That I makes mean, you larger than life. Of, larger yeah, than Yeah, it's life. just... <laughs> exactly. This is just... Yeah, look, yeah. Don't, don't go breaking my heart, Perlman, right? <laughs> okay. I, I feel like, uh, you know, when, when I pass away, you know, I want I want my urn. You know, I want mm-hmm. to get an urn and I want to say, I earned it uh. in the urn. <laughs> like, like, that's where I'm at. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> And now that I know that Elvis died the same age I am, yeah, it's like I'm starting to reflect now during this podcast. Yeah, you know? did you have that when you hit 27? I remember when I hit 27 and I was like, all of those iconic artists that died at that age, at Hendrix, Joplin, I think Morrison, like um, they, uh, like I remember thinking like, okay, well, at least I, I got there. Like I'm, I don't have a famous record and I'm not anything, but like I'm, I'm 28. That feels good. Like, right. I, I, got, yeah, I, I, got I told my here. band we're, we're canceling the tour. We're not touring while we're all 27. Mm-hmm. We're taking the year off. We don't want anything crazy to go down. Yeah. Um, couple quick news things here. So we try not to talk too much COVID downer, but it is the world. Um, Stevie Nicks canceling all of her shows. She had five or six of them, some big music festivals, nine inch nails just scrapped their tour for the rest of the year. Um, I'm hearing left and right, a bunch of artists pulling out of markets. And then the big one that shocked me was jazz fest, which new Orleans, Louisiana, like I get it, but, um, to, to not have a contingency plan where you have a bunch of music festivals that are shifting to fully vaxxed and proof and testing, um, and, and jazz fest for whatever reason, just decided to shut the whole thing down. I think that they didn't think that they'd be able to implement it given the structure of that festival. It's a little different than others. Um, are you keen on going to any music festivals at the moment, Mark? I, not after scene? seeing those, yeah, after seeing those pictures at Lollapalooza, yeah. man, I'm not. I living in New York City, I felt like I was too close to Lollapalooza. Yeah, uh, <laughs> the size that. of that crowd. You, you know, look, you know, full disclosure, I'm fully vaccinated. Yeah. You know, I wear my mask everywhere. I do my part, uh, you know, as best I can, and. As much as I wanted to go to Atlantic City just last weekend to go see fish mm. on, a, on a three-day run. On the beach, I think, right? On yeah. the beach. It was outside. Yeah. It was on the beach. I just, you know, I, I'm not ready yet. Nope. And I, you know, that's a big influence on that is, you know, I have a kid and, and yeah. my kid's not vaccinated because she's three. And 
if she gets it, takes it to daycare, daycare shuts down. Now I'm working full time with my wife at home with a kid running around. And it's just, it's, it's something I can't go through again. That was yeah. a long eight months when we did it the first time. So I hear it. We're, we even canceled our vacation. We were supposed to go um, in September down to Florida and we all know what's going on in Florida. So yeah. I, uh, I was like, look, uh, I'm not doing it. I just can't do it. And a total bummer, but it is real life. And I, I mean, I, grew up doing nothing but saving my money and going to festivals. So it's every time I see one happen, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm conflicted because I want to be there, but I'm happy for the artists and I'm happy for the fans. But at the same time, I'm like, what are we doing? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So it's, sure. it's a, it's a tough thing to look at and watch, but boy, do I wish I'm, I'm there. Yeah. So, so one alternative that I'll put out there, um, I don't know if you've paid for any live streams or anything during, during all this, um, you know, I've done one or two and they're, they're pretty cool, like at home or in an empty venue. But there is something that I am I just bought tickets for. Um, so Oasis is putting out. So they have a, a documentary slash concert footage, but it's like top tier. It's not just like a, a you know, a thrown together thing um, from Nebworth in 96, a big music festival in the UK. Um, and that's going to be in movie theaters uh, on September 23rd and 24th. Um, but tickets are available now. Um, and for some reason I feel like as long, I I don't know how crowded it's going to be out here by me, but I I could, I could, I could wear a mask and sit in a movie theater and watch some Oasis. Like, I think I'm good with that. You know, um, are you a big Oasis fan? Of course. I love Oasis. Um, I mean, as a drummer, uh, you know, being in an Oasis cover band is probably the easiest gig ever because it's the same drum beat for every song. Is so, it? I mean, I, <laughs> I'm like that guy made like a billion dollars doing the same. Yeah. Boom, cha, cha, yeah. Do, did, do, cha, boom, cha, cha, do, did, do, cha. And it's I'm a like, great this call. guy is just every track. Yeah. I'm like, Hey man, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's, I, same, same with, same with Everclear, same drum beat. Every song, man, uh, the and, insights and, uh, you get when you play an instrument in the band. I mean, Mark is a fantastic drummer. He's played in a gazillion bands. Um, and it's something that I wouldn't have fully noticed, but now I'm never not going to hear that. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. I, I, I'm pulling the curtain back too far. We've I mean, all the guy from Oasis doesn't even play it. It's just on a, he's air drumming the whole time. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, most of their songs were just written by Noel on an acoustic guitar. Right. And I'm thinking that he just tossed it over there. And the guy was just like, yeah, I can, I can play that again with this song too. So that's cool. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Well, if you trek out to the theater, that that's, um, it's an interesting experience watching a live concert. Have you or done something that? like that? I have. Yeah. I've done it uh, two, maybe three times. I saw, Someone uh, took me out to see Rom Rammstein. Mm, oh my gosh! It was that's a spectacle. Awesome. but no, yeah, no fake blood on you, which is great. Right, right, right. I didn't have to go home and shower. Yeah. you know, it was fantastic. Although I was at the West Fourth Theater, so I might have had, needed uh, to shower. Yeah, but um, and then I saw Foo Fighters when they did the um, oh god, what album was it? Uh, I gotta I gotta remember, but they did a live concert. Mm-hmm. It was live. It was supposed to be live. And they had problems like broadcasting it. So we were really? all sitting in the theater, like waiting. And so we were all just goofing off. This is recently? Matt, Matt, no, this is a couple years back. Okay. Matt Pinfield hosted it. So he was in there and he was so funny. He stands up, he goes, Hey, I just got off the phone with Dave and he's you know, he's just going on and on about it. And everyone's going, Sit down, man. Yeah. Like yelling at him and stuff. Yeah. But uh, but anyway, they played and um, that was kind of fun. And I think I saw, I feel like I saw one more. 
It's a cool experience, though, right? It seems like it seems yeah, like it'd be you're fun. gonna have fun if you yeah. do it. Yeah, yeah, if, yeah, if you do it, you're gonna have a blast. Um, and then I don't know if you've been keeping up on the Metallica Blacklist at all. Um, they've got that that Black Album anniversary kind of celebration, fifty three covers. Um, and Phoebe Bridgers doing Nothing Else Matters was, I think, last week. Um, and then Weezer doing Enter Sandman. Like, I know, I know. So good and so perfect. And like we're used to Weezer covers now, but still got me excited when I saw that come out. I was like, yeah, no, I definitely need to check this out. It's going to be and, and you know, you know, and we'll get into this later, but yeah. you know, deep down Rivers, the avant garde came out a little bit. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I want a shred. That's right. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. For sure. Well, um, well, I think we're going to flip it over to side B now um, since we're talking about Weezer. And uh, when we're back, we're going we're gonna to delve into that band and... Uh, and maybe get Mark to school me a little bit because I know I know a bunch, but I'm not I'm not necessarily the purest fan. Um, and uh, oh, I'd love matter. I'd love some insights. It doesn't side b thanks for flipping over um oh, again. thank god man side a was it was freezing in there man <laughs> it was so cold yeah so we uh we're gonna be talking some weezer now um i think that uh adam and dan will both be uh, a little jealous and i promise to them that um we can have another dive into maybe some specific albums uh or whatnot from weezer in the future but uh, given that I've got my buddy Mark here, Mark says hi. Uh, I think we're gonna we're gonna go into the the history of this band a little bit, and maybe I'd like to kind of figure out what makes them tick and do a little bit of a deep dive, if that's cool with you. Um, so fifteen albums, although in by my kind of counting, I would say it's fourteen albums. Uh, my buddy and I play a game where we rank albums and we never count B sides collections and Death to False Metal is right. pretty Death tough. To false metal. Yeah. So but we'll go with fifteen albums. Fifteen albums, twenty six years, twenty nine since they were formed. Um just an incredible catalog for a band that's been around for that long. Like yeah, and it went by so fast. It's going by so fast. It is. It is. Um, and only a couple spots where there were big gaps. You know, you had that five-ish year gap between Pinkerton and the Green Album. Um, and then there were some three-year gaps. And you can kind of hear it sonically in the band, right? Between Maladroit, Make Believe, Red Album, you had some some leaps. And then you just see when Rivers gets into a run. Because I feel like Red Album should have the discography open, but I think it went red album ratitude and Hurley very quickly. Right. Like, yeah. They were, they were pretty much back to back to back every yeah. year. You got a Weezer album and then you had to wait four years until everything will be all right in the end. Um, but anyway, so let's start off with, uh, with our sort of introductions to the band a little bit. Um, I'll tell you, like I said, this is always a no judgment zone, not gatekeepy. 
Um, I so I admittedly went to the wall, my record store at the time, to buy um, anyone for Doomsday by Power Man Five Thousand. And yes. this is back in the day when you yeah. didn't have the internet to kind of track when things are coming or if there's news or whatever. Um, so my dad was taking me to to music practice to uh, to bagpipe practice. And there was a, a record store on the way. And so I was like, can we pull over here? Uh, I want to get the Power Man 5000 album. And I go inside and the guy looks at me funny and he's like, yeah, we don't we don't have that. Um, and so I'm looking around the store. I know I got five minutes before my dad's like, we got to get back in the car. And I had heard I knew Buddy Holly and I'd heard Hashpipe. And I loved that song. I saw it on MTV with the sumo wrestlers. And I was like this is cool. Like I'm, I, I just started playing in like a garage band, like a pop punk garage band with my friends. And I was like, let me grab the green album. You know, it was up on the wall. It was, it was pretty fresh. And, uh, and I remember mowing the lawn that weekend, like right after there and cover to cover falling in love with that album. Like the pop sensibility on that, it, it like scratched every ish for me of like, loving pop music but also wanting to play guitar and be in a rock band um it just hit me at the right time and and then i went back to the blue album and and everything after that and i stayed with the band although i missed maladroit for whatever reason i did not pick it up um and have gone back to that album in recent years and it's one of my favorites because i feel like it's it slays super underrated it goes it takes what i love about the green album and melds it with the roughness and the the like actual rock sensibility of the early stuff it rips man every song on maladroit kills um but what about you so when did you first hear weezer because i know you have a long history with the band oh yeah i i uh it's interesting because the band impacted me much like uh, your story in a way, like anything else in my life, um, it, it's it's pretty crazy. I was so so the blue album came out right. Sweater song comes out. Mm-hmm. This is what ninety four, mm-hmm. I believe. Yeah. And I was in the back of a limousine after the homecoming dance, uh, and we turned the radio on because I was with a bunch of friends. We all, you know, liked music, and and I liked music, but I didn't love music mm-hmm. yet. I was, you know, I, I was raised on the piano. I'd been doing that since I was four. And I knew my dad was a drummer, but I didn't really know how that worked. You know, I, I just understood that there was this thing called music, but I was super invested in Weird Al Yankovic. Like, Same. From, yeah, from like my early age. So when my dad would explain to me that, no, 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 that's not the real song. It's this other song. I like didn't believe it, mm-hmm. right? I was like, Tom Petty didn't write that. It's Weird Al Yankovic. Amazing. So... Yeah, so my whole life was just Weird Al makes these hilarious songs yeah. and he's the best, right? Yeah. So 94, in the back of this limo, after Homecoming, and that first opening riff from Sweater Song comes on and I tell everyone to shut up. I was like, everyone, please, be quiet right now, oh my God. And they're yeah. like, whoa, what's going on? I was like, I got to hear this. And I sat there and I made everyone be quiet for three minutes mm-hmm. and I just looked at everybody and I said, I'm playing music for the rest of my life. No way. And they were like, what? I was like, I'm playing music for the rest of my life. I, I need to. I need to do something that like that that just happened. Wow! And so I, the, you know, the radio station didn't say the name of the band or anything, so I didn't know who it was. Can't Google it. And can't Google it. This, you know, th- there was no internet, nothing. So I didn't know what to do. So I literally parked myself in front of the radio and just sat there the entire weekend until it came on again. 
I, I mean, I probably got 30 minutes of sleep. I sat there three days wow. and it finally came on and, and the guy goes, Weezer. And I was like, I was like, Weezer, what a funny, what a funny name. Yeah. Like, I'm never going to forget that. Immediately went to the record store, got the blue album on cassette mm-hmm. and wow. was like, put it in. And I must have listened to it a thousand times in a row until the tape broke. <laughs> and, and I was like, oh my God, I, I, I have to, how do I be a part of this? Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, my dad's got that drum set under the stairs. Um, I don't know how to put it together though. Um, let me ask around to my friends. My friend had a kid drum set called Neon Thunder. Yeah. It's like a plastic drum set. I mean, it was meant for like four-year-olds. Right. And I was like, oh my God, can I have, can I borrow that? Can I mow your lawn 40 times in a row? Yeah. And, Get that. And, and, take, and take this. He's like, dude, just take it, whatever. It's been yeah. sitting there for like 10 years. Right. Great. Took it home, found one half of my dad's hi-hat symbols. And his, I took his stool workbench that was like tall. It was like, it's like one of those like high rise table chairs. Mm-hmm. And I set the, the symbol on top of it. And uh, I got some sticks from a buddy and I sat on this neon thunder plastic drum set and taught myself how to play drums to the Weezer album. Amazing. And I did that for an entire summer until I knew every song and didn't miss a, you know, mm-hmm. I didn't have a full drum set, so I didn't hit everything, but, but that, and, and it just changed my life. And from that moment on, I've never not played music. That's incredible. And, and so did you stay, you stayed with them through Pinkerton. Um, but then I think you had a little bit of the, the disappointment. Yeah, we, the we had a falling out. We yeah. had a falling out. Yeah. And, and yeah. so my understanding of it, and you have, I've never read, uh, the Pinkerton diaries, but I'm assuming that some of it, I know things have come out in, the, in, in the years since that because of the lack of, so there it is. Nice. Mark's holding up the book, um, which comes with uh, a bunch of demos as part of the alone series too, right? It's got a CD in there. of, of, of Yeah. It was the tapes. only way you could get alone three. Yeah. yeah. Which was, uh, you know, everyone was craving that. Um, so, and they only made, I don't know if they reprinted this book, but you know, apparently this one's one of the you know first pressings. Obviously yeah. I ordered it right away. Yeah. And, um, and I got lucky because I didn't have any money back then. I was like, I can't buy this thing. What am I going to do? Right. But I was like, I got to do it. I don't care. Yeah, I just want to eat for Sweet a month. Yeah. And so I did it. And you know, I was fortunate enough to get one of these. And it came with you know these alone demos. And it just fills in the gaps. Like, you know, to your point, it, the band impacted me so much. That two years between the Blue Album and Pinkerton felt like forever. Because mm-hmm. you and didn't have like, a way to why? engage with a band at that point. Yeah. You didn't. Yeah. Well, except the fan club, which right. I immediately signed up for, right. you know, and wrote to. And, uh, was, you, you know, was, back then you'd have to s- send a self-addressed stamped envelope, yeah. a picture of yourself so they could send you back a fan club card. Amazing. And and just your address. And this band, it was so special what they did. Th- their fan club was amazing. They had this address book. You, you gave them your address. And they printed this address book with everybody who was in the fan club. Because it was only like a thousand or 2000 people or something mm-hmm. at the time. And, and they made this address book and they sent it to you so you could be pen pals with these people and whoever was f- fans of the band. Wow. I still have this book. I'll, I'll show it to you someday. It's really cool. And, uh, and I was like, this is incredible. Oh my God, there's somebody else in Ohio who likes Weezer. Yeah. They're right here. Their name's Peter. Oh my God, I got to write this guy. <laughs> and, and there were people in Japan. There's people all over the yeah. world. Right. And that's how you stayed in touch with other people who are fans of the band and that's how I got all my initial like bootlegs and first bootlegs and like because unless they came to your town how were you ever going to see this band right and be like well 
well, my friend from Iowa told me that they wrote to the person in Japan and the person in Japan dubbed a tape off TV of a live performance and then blah, blah, blah. And, it, and word just gets around. It takes months, but right. word gets around. Next thing you know, you're blindly sending a $50 money order from the bank <laughs> to someone in Japan you've never met in hopes that you're going to get a crappy VHS bootleg back. Yeah. Explaining and, to your parents you, and, why and you, you need d- a $50 money yeah. order, by the way, to send to oh, Japan. Oh, man. So it, it just, it became a community and it was, it was so awesome. It yeah. was a bunch of nerdy kids who were discovering music and had the same sensibilities all encapsulated in this band. Yeah. yeah, yeah and, yeah. and we all had, we all looked like we, you know, rivers, we all, you know, sang like rivers. Mm-hmm. We were kind of like already doing that. Yeah. And except for this guy, like someone said he was cool enough to do it for real. Yeah. Right. And yeah. we're like, Oh my God, you know? And then Pinkerton hits and it's everything you want it to be. Right. Oh, it's the best. Yeah. I'll never forget. So that's when I was working at the music store, national record Mart. Mm-hmm. Now I was able to get the album, uh, a couple days before everybody else. Nice. Right. That was like, that was like, I scored some cool points there Yeah. and I must've listened to it a hundred times before it came out. And, you know, but I didn't want to ruin it for anybody. I didn't want to be like, sure. this track's the best or anything. And back then on CD, you know, Pearl Jam was the first band to ever put a clear back so they could put a picture behind the CD. Oh, okay, yeah. We, Pinkerton did it too, but they left the black and you had to pop off the black thing to see a, a, a map of of this mystical land. Like nobody knew what it was yet. Like again, no internet. So you didn't know what any of this stuff, you didn't know what this artwork meant or anything. And so you'd pop off the black thing and there was a, some sort of map back there and everyone's like, what is this? You know, it was just created this mythos that was just incredible. And I was like, this band can't get any better. And it, and the album was just so raw and he, and like, he was singing about stuff I never, you know, like sex and like lesbians. And I was like, I don't know what any of this stuff is, you know? And, and uh, it was a pretty eye-opening experience that, um, and then, and then of course, every band I was in at that time in my hometown, we all covered, you know, every song on the album, you know, we just played as much Weezer as we could. Right. But wasn't a commercial success at all, right? Was it, it there, he has felt or did feel at least at the time that it wasn't received in the way that he hoped it was, especially for something that was so personal that he put so much of himself into the writing of Pinkerton. My understanding is that like there was a little bit of a blowback that it wasn't, it wasn't embraced in the way that I think he hoped it would be. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, and my friends, we couldn't believe it. Yeah. Right. We were like, what Rolling Stone, what are you talking about? You guys are morons. Yeah. I'm never reading this magazine again. Like, right. how is this not the greatest thing ever? So I think the hardcore fans were like, overwhelmed with how awesome it was Mm -hmm. and i feel like just music critic because they they probably wanted the same bubbly you know buddy holly bouncing around and stuff and that stuff's great don't get me wrong the music that came out of that power pop scene Mm -hmm. in the early 90s you know whether it be fountains of wayne weezer jellyfish Mm -hmm. all you know you can go down and down the food chain incredible music but this was just the opposite of that and 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 you know bands didn't take huge risks like that what a dangerous you know, move, but Geffen was like, okay, I guess yeah. this is what we're doing. Yeah. And I think, and they got into it with Geffen later on, obviously, and had their falling out, but, um, yeah, you don't know what the backstory is, right? You just hear the album. Yeah. You don't know, yeah. you don't know how the, how the sausage got made, but you know that the band then disappears. If two years felt rough, you know, that oh. this band that put out this album that just cut you and then disappears for five years, um, 
it, it's brutal then. I, it must have been as a fan who was resonating it with it in real time um, to have that kind of gap. And I, there may have been tours. I don't think he went to Harvard for a bit of that. And then yeah. it was like he had a side project, I think. Um, so, so this is what's fun about it, right? Is again, pre-internet, you just hear stuff, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, talk about the ultimate telephone game, right? You don't know what's going on. I have one friend telling me, oh, yeah, he's in a basement. He won't come out. Right. He's painting his walls black. He's got curtains. He's not talking to anybody. And then I've got another friend telling me, hey, he went to Harvard. Mm-hmm. He's probably not going to play music anymore. Then where I grew up in Ohio, I was close to Cleveland, and we were able to get we were able to intercept some Canadian broadcast channels. Okay. And there was this channel called Much Music. Oh, I love and Much Music. Yeah, and Much Music was great. And they did an interview with Weezer, and it was the first time I saw like Rivers like kind of look depressed. Mm-hmm. And he like didn't want to talk during the interview, and he was just like, "Yeah, I don't know if we're gonna do this anymore. Like, fame is weird. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't get this. Like, and I was like, "Oh my god, no! What's happening? Like, please don't break up. Like, yeah. don't go away." And you know, as we learn in the future of what really was happening, you know, because also if you collected everything, which I did, you know, with all these other pen pals, I was I was getting like obscure Weezer releases from Australia because it had a different B-side than the English one did, right. which had a different one than the German one did. And, you know, I got this, I think it was for either El Scorcho or... Because Pink Triangle didn't have an official release. I have like a radio DJ, like a rare radio DJ version. But one of the singles from Pinkerton had an x-ray on it of like a leg that was broken. Hmm. And everyone's like, what the what the hell is this? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And you don't learn till later, oh, Rivers was born with a leg that was shorter than his other leg, and he had surgery to extend his leg. Wow. And you're like, what? And so you find out he's going through all this while he's at Harvard, while he's depressed, while he's, you know, thinking he's not going to make music anymore. And he's making the most powerful music I've heard in my life. Yeah. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And so it seems like he then decides to kind of pivot. He's studying music at school and and pivots a bit to say, well, then I can just make, I can figure out pop music. I can make pop music and I can, I can do it and it'll rock, but I can do this really well. Uh, and he starts kind of working on the formula. And so when you have the Green Album come out, it's lacking that personality, that depth of what he was writing about, but it's slick. And they suddenly have these hits now. They have Island in the Sun, which still gets radio play. It's crazy. Um, you had Hashpipe. Like, you had Photograph. You had a bunch of these songs that suddenly start getting radio play again. Um and and they bring back Rick Ocasek, right? We could talk about the some of the producers they've worked with, which That's are fantastic. Right. But they bring Rest back in Rick, yeah. Rest in they peace. bring back Rick. Um, but as I was saying, then then they do Maladroit, which again I think I was so built into the cycle of artists putting out albums every two to three years that like I just wasn't staying on top of it um, and didn't realize that a new album had come out. I remember seeing the Keep Fishing video with the Muppets, which is one of my favorite music videos of all time. So so jealous. (laughs) It's the greatest thing ever. It's the best. Yeah. Um, But I totally missed that. Um, And and when I go back and listen to those... Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, so how did that happen? Because you fell in love with this Green Album. I know. You loved it so much. I I had the opposite effect, right? The Green Album came out and, you know, to your point, we had waited five years 
And I I listen to it once through and I go, oh my God, I'm never going to listen to this again. I'm, I'm done. I'm wow. Out. Like, what are you doing? What just happened? What new bass player? This is what happens when Matt Sharp leaves. Yeah. You know, da, da, da. and no offense to Mikey Welsh because he's a sick bass player mm-hmm. and rest in peace him as yeah, well. Him. But um, I was just like, you got to be kidding me. And I and I heard Island in the Sun. I was like, this. Sucks. What is this? Yeah. What is this? Yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. Like, now the first single was great. Yeah. I, and right. I actually I skipped. I usually skipped Island in the Sun because it was kind of a buzzkill on the whole thing. I wanted to get to Crab and knock down, drag out, and all those other right. jams. Um, right. But I uh, I loved it, and then I I must have moved on to other stuff because I just did not. I didn't stick with it. I picked up Make Believe when that came out, and I was disappointed in that because I was like, there's some good songs on here, but this isn't doing it the way that the last one did. And it wasn't until, and I remember talking to you because you and I were friends at this point when the Red right. album comes out. And yeah, I we remember, just became friends. Yeah. I remember coming to you and being like, so are you getting the new Weezer album? It's the red album and it's oh, no. going to be awesome. And I, you were yeah. like, I don't know, man, like the last one was, was rough. And like, it's just, it hasn't been the same. Um, but I think this was, we did this with a couple of bands. We did this with green day too. Like we fed off of each other a little bit. Um, and we both, I remember buying the red album. And I think you did too. Um, I remember t- coming and talking to you, um, because there were some of the deeper cuts on it. I love the Red Album, by the way. I think that Dude, the, the Red Album was a great comeback for for their sound. 100%. Absolutely, yeah. And and it's a shame that the deluxe version, because I feel like the extra songs are the best tracks. This is what you said. You and said I, Miss Sweeney. You're yeah. like, why isn't Miss Sweeney on the regular album? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it the man. It kills when those those hidden B side gems are just like the best on the album. I mean, yeah. look, an artist doesn't know they like what they like, and they're going to put out what they think is the best because it's what they want to do, or or whatever the label or whoever has a say. But but uh, yeah, it was a shame that the deluxe version just didn't yeah. come out all all but at once. Let's go back to make believe real quick because that's obviously sure. that is the point of contention. I think beyond that rift between Pinkerton into that next era of what Weezer became. Um, Make believe is still a sticking point with fans, right? Um, yeah, they I went to Rick Rubin, say, right? Rick Rubin produced legendary producer, awesome dude, right? Legend, yeah, legendary yeah. producer. The um, one time he produced a, a band without his beard, and I think that was why it wasn't successful. <laughs> I'm just kidding. He, he had his beard. He had his. Beard. But were you sure were beard. you in the fold? Because I know that there were leading up to that. So after Maladroit, you get into another one of those three year gaps where everyone's like, "What's going on here? What's about to happen?" Mm-hmm. Um, and a bunch of early recordings came out, but I believe none of them made it to this final album. Um, and I'm wondering, were you a fan that was in the fold at that point following this stuff or did you, had you kind of tapped out? So I'm glad you brought that up because there was this real cool period with Weezer when, when the internet started being like more of a mainstream thing and less of like a nerdy thing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, and the, I think it was Weezer.net at the time. It wasn't, um, it wasn't Weezer.com or whatever they have now. I believe it was Weezer.net. And I was like, .net, wow, you got to know your stuff, you know? And anyway, it was this weird website and and it was kind of like message boardy and there'd be some weird messages on there that you could kind of like feel what was going on with the band. But they, you know, during the green, I think it was, was it the green album? There was at one point. They started just uploading weird snippets of songs okay. and and asking fans to react to them mm. and say, what do you like? What do you not like? I think that was Maladroit, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, maybe it was maladroit. And and so, by the way, I have all those burnt on a CD. I have like every speck of. I think I have every speck of almost every Weezer thing that's ever existed. And you still have it. Like you're in an apartment. I still have it. (laughs) I still have it on a CD somewhere. And I was like, what a cool, that's when I started to get back into the band and said, okay, this is cool. Mm -hmm. They they felt like the hardcore, they did their hardcore fans wrong and they want to reconnect with them and and kind of make up for it. That's why I think Maldroit was a killer comeback album for me at least because I was just so disappointed with the green one. But um. But yeah, you you get to make believe. I was yeah, I'm still tracking the band. You know, I'm still in the fan club. I'm still you know, I wasn't gonna give up on them. I was mm-hmm. like, look, not every band has every single album being right. you know as good. They set the bar so high with Pinkerton and yeah. Blue, and 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 look, you're never gonna be able to affect my life again the way you did the first time I heard you of and course. changed the course of my entire of life. Yeah. That's not gonna happen, yeah. right? So yeah. so make believe came out and. Again, I think they set themselves up for failure, at least in my eyes, because they literally put a sticker on it. I remember they put a sticker on it that said, like, hardcore, guitar-driven, Weezer is back, or mm-hmm. something like that, right? Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I've heard this before. Don't, don't, you know, and yeah. I put it on. I was like, this is, like, leftover Green Album stuff. What's yeah. happening? Like, what yeah. are you doing to me? With, like, maybe you were feeling some Aldroy, come on, you yeah. know? And And I was just like... We are all on drugs, like really, like what are we doing? Right, like, right, 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 right. And I was, t- and what was the other single on that? I can't even. Perfect situation. To, yeah. Oh, hated that yeah. song when that came but, out. I was so. But Beverly bummed. Hills, their first number one right. modern rock hit, <laughs> first Grammy nomination ever. Uh, Beverly Hills, Perfect Situation, also another number one. Their second number one. So it did what uh, maybe was the intention for Rivers. Nobody really knows, but like, if you wanted mm-hmm. to prove that he could uh, write these, like come up with the formula to write these pop smashes. He did it. He, he, he totally did it. And you have to accept that, right? Mm-hmm. Like, cause at the end of the day, this isn't about you. It's about them. This is their art. They're creating it. Yeah. They're, they're giving me the luxury of judging it or right. accepting it or being a part of it. Yeah. If, if I choose to do so. So me as a musician, you know, I, I was never, one of those guys that would watch a band and say, I'm better than that. We should be up on stage. I'm thinking, hey, this band busted their ass probably. Mm-hmm. They're working really hard. They're doing their they're doing the best they can right now with this opportunity. And and Weezer was this I just had to accept that Weezer wasn't the same band, right? right? Yeah. And and as more stories came out as to what was really happening surrounding Pinkerton, you start to understand it's like you get it. You're like, okay. Like the whole band could have left Rivers if they wanted, mm-hmm. you know? I get that Matt did. Matt wants to be his own creative dude. That's fine. Nothing yeah. wrong with that. Sure. And and uh, you hope there's no bad blood there as a fan of the band because you're hoping one day they'll reunite. But you really understood that serious life, uh, real life, uh, you know, is inter- intertwining with this marriage, essentially, between four people that are creating music you hope you like. And, yeah. uh and so I accepted it. That album, Make Believe, made me say, hey, look, I'll give every album they come out with a shot, mm-hmm. but they're going to have to win me back every time. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I, and I feel like a douchebag saying that. But no, and I think, and I, I look, I think that we all have that relationship with artists. I mean, some of my favorite bands, I still have that. One of my favorite bands is Jimmy Eat World, and I always buy whatever they put out, but I do go into it saying, Man, I, I hope that I hope that they deliver on something or or bring me something here that I'm going to be excited about. You know, um, 
So then you get off. So the Red Album, I think, is a great then jumping point to them proving themselves back to their fans a little bit. Um, Dude, Troublemaker! Oh my god, it's track. so good. But then, <laughs> so, so then good. you get you get to I I love Hurley. You get to Ratitude mm-hmm. and Hurley, where now he's doing a lot of co-writes. You get him there with Butch Walker, um, Marvelous Three, right? He's yeah, doing stuff. Butch, he's doing Atlanta, stuff Georgia. with All American Rejects co-writes. He starts doing stuff with Dan Wilson, um, mm-hmm. Desmond Child. Like he co-writes a song on Hurley with Desmond Child, who had written hits for Bon Jovi and Ricky Martin and Alice Cooper. Like he all of a sudden just like starts this new this new take on his formula of how he's writing these great pop songs by doing these collabs. And then most of these situations, there's no feature. You don't see it on the album. You don't know that he co-wrote a song with the dude from sugar cult or whatever. But like, <laughs> right, if you right. dig into the liner notes, you're like, Oh, okay. There's there, this is why this sounds a little different. Um, and again, like Hurley and Ratitude have these great pop, jams on them that i could see if you're if you're not into that green maladroit sound might not have been your thing again because it almost is them going back to that with some fresh eyes on it um but some of the songs on hurley are some of my favorite uh to go back to just very easy to listen to um train racks and and memories uh there's there's great jams on those um it's interesting. All those albums, like the that run, right? Mm-hmm. The late 2000s into the early, you know, 2010s, f- feel like one big album. They today, do. They really do. Right. Yeah. Um, it, it's almost like if they would were to have put out a triple album, I would have been like, oh, cool, mm-hmm. you know? Because I, and it's interesting. I, I'm one of the, I'm one of the few, maybe a few people. I love Ratitude. I don't know why. Yeah, Ratitude's I just fun. Do. It is. It's so fun. Yeah. And and I, once I accepted who this band was, kind of moving forward, I was like, you know, why am I being so judgy? Like, I'm hoping people would just like my music too, mm-hmm. you know. And and I really gave it a chance more so than I ever did after Pinkerton with any of their other releases. Even the Red Album, I liked it, but yeah. you know, I really opened up, and I was just like, you know what. I'm going for a run today and I'm running to some ratitude. Yeah. This is a this is actually kind of a blast. And, yeah. and and at the root of me, I love power pop music and and melody and you know choruses that hook you in. And he was just delivering yeah. song after song after song. And I'm like, this guy, there's a reason why this guy's successful. And it starts know? to feel like that show that maybe you were into at first and then you fell off and then you realize that they're in their seventh season and you're like, Oh, maybe I'll go back and check that out. And you, and there's actually been ups and downs, but consistently great throughout all of those seasons of that TV show. Like this band has built this catalog that, you know, you can go back and you can pick and choose songs and albums that you love or hate, but you can't take away from what they've built and you can gloss over the stuff that you don't like, but maybe also find uh, something that you didn't appreciate in your headspace then. It's something that we talk about a bunch here uh, is like where you're at when you listen to a song, whether it's how you're feeling that day or where you're at in your life um, can really impact you. And so maybe you go back to something uh, and find some value or purpose or a different perspective on it now that you're 10 years older um, and so again, I went back to Maladroid after I kind of skipped over it and was like, oh no, this speaks to me. Like this is a, this is a banger of an album. 
Um, and then I remember so, you and I, so you have um, Everything Will Be Okay in the End. Sorry, that's the name of that album, right? Everything yeah, Everything yeah. Will Be Okay in the End. I remember that was another moment where you and I are like, I wonder what this is going to be. You had heard a song. I hadn't heard anything yet. And you were like, this is this is dope. This is going to be a yeah. great album. Um, back with Okasic again. Mm-hmm. And they, like I, that was a really solid album. I haven't gone back to it as much uh recently as i listened to it in the moment there but it was it was a four-year gap where you're like i don't know what's going on there and then i remember hearing back to the shack and i'm like all right is this the is this uh the the gear that you guys are going in like this is the sentiment we're going to get rid of the pop thing and we're going right back to that garage that garage rock we're going back yeah it's interesting because back to the shack is like it's almost too on the nose Mm -hmm. it's like the one of the frustrating things where you're like you're like I. You, you like the head nod, but you don't want the whole thing to be a head nod. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, and you're like, this is this song is an entire head nod to the blue album, and you're like, I mean, it's catchy, and if it came out when the blue album came out, I would love this song so much. Yeah, and and I do, and I love the song, but it's like super on the nose, yeah. right? And but it got you super excited for the album. Exactly. Now, with with this particular album, they did the uh, pledge music for this. What's that? Uh, do you remember pledge music? Mm-hmm. It was the, where, where you, you gave bands basically money ahead of time and they would give you the finished product, but they, they would give you incentives oh, no. to, to like, to, to buy into their, whatever they were working on. Okay. And, uh, yeah, they, they've since gone out of business for good reason. I'll tell you that story off the air, okay. but, um, they, they, um, yeah, it was called pledge music. And, and so Weezer did this cool thing where it was like, Hey, you know, throw us, 15 bucks, we'll give you the CD, throw us 25 bucks, we'll give you a sticker and the CD, you know, whatever, and you could work your way up. And they had this one tier where you could um, get your name on a Weezer poster. And it was like the Weezer poster, but the poster was just the big Weezer logo with everybody's name basically around it, mm-hmm. who who contributed at that tier level. And I was like, I mean, this is my one shot to have my name on some Weezer merch. Like, yeah. got to do it, you know? Of course. Probably cost me, like, way too much money, but I had to do it. Yeah. So I did it, and I still have it. It's really cool to see my name in there. But but um, uh, but um, it was cool. It f- you felt invested in a different way, and it really felt like they were, again, trying to reconnect with the fans, do something good. And when they put out Back to the Shack, you're like, all right, you're 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 speaking to me again mm-hmm. the way you did it the, from the very beginning. And 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 I was in a band at the time that was very influenced by Weezer and and you know other bands like Weezer like Ozma and and some other stuff and uh, and we were just like we couldn't wait so instead of having band practice we instead had a listening party when the album came awesome. out awesome and we just looked at each other and we're like yeah they're back yeah we were all like super jazzed <laughs> yeah. and we just yeah so we we loved that but he wrote with uh, Daniel Brummel on that album too I was gonna say that's Ozma like, yeah writing with people you know he. He was starting to get in the mix with Ozma, and um, if people don't know this, by the way, go to River Rivers Cuomo's website. Go to Rivers' website, and he does this really cool thing: this database mm-hmm. of all of his old demo tapes and just stuff that's on his computer. And he is he you can buy it, and so really? and 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 he has it grouped by like years. Huh. So and it's huge chunks of data. So it's like. I can buy like I just bought like um, it's called Weezma. Okay. And it's when it's when it's the era when him and and uh, and Daniel were together just making music and just hashing out ideas. Mm-hmm. And you can just go and and you can buy it. And, and you can you hear can li- the rough tapes can, of it. 
Everything. It's wow. crazy. Some stuff is like just like little riffs. Some stuff is more full blown songs. Some stuff is like him just talking into like a handheld recorder. Like mm-hmm. it's it's mind blowing. Um, and it's like it was like five bucks. I'm like five bucks to hear your brain in 1996 yeah. when Pinkerton was happening. Yeah. Absolutely. And so it's a, it's pretty cool. So everyone go check that out. If you, if you're a hard, hard, hardcore fan, yeah, it's crazy insight into a band like I've never seen before. Well, and he said he's meticulous with that databasing thing. He's got, he'll, he said he'll have a, a folder of thousands of demos and pieces and stuff. And he has a program yes is a program and he's like, okay, I need a piece that's at a certain tempo in a key and he could punch that in and find something that he's recorded. He's just like cataloged all these riffs and bridges and choruses and melodies and he can kind of piecemeal and Frankenstein songs together if he wants to. Um, and it's kind of genius. And I, there's some people who I'm sure would feel that that's a little too calculated for something that, you know, you look at music as art and it's supposed to be, or you say it's supposed to be one thing or another. But I think that there's a, a, a lot to be said for someone who can actually craft a, a pop song, uh, an earworm, right? And this and this is how he makes his art, man. You can't, yeah, for you can't, real. Look, everybody makes art differently. Like, yeah. I, I write most of my songs on a bass guitar Yeah, because, because I'm more concerned about melody, right? Right. And then, and then I go put his, you know, the cool riff in later. You know, some people write backwards, forwards. It doesn't matter as long as it gets done. But yeah, check it out, Mister Rivers Neighborhood. That's what it's called. Mister Rivers then, Neighborhood. Yeah, it's like Mister Rogers Neighborhood. Um, cool. But one other song on uh, "Everything Will Be All Right in the End," which uh, I pointed out in our community a while back as we were having like a sporadic Weezer conversation, was "I've Had It Up to Here," which again, going back to the writing partners, it's a fun song. It's weird. It's Weezer, but it's not. And and then you see that he wrote it with Justin from The Darkness, and you're like, <laughs> right. oh, now it totally makes sense why this song sounds this way. Like this is Absolutely. this is a hundred percent. It's a darkness inspired Weezer song. Um, and, but and to you know, and everybody knows Rivers was obsessed with you know. Obviously, he points it out in lyrics like, oh, I love Kiss and everything. Mm-hmm. But he was he was a shredder man. You know, he was a metalhead with long hair yeah. and he loved shredding and if you heard his previous band Avant-Garde, you can, you know, YouTube old clips and demos. You're like, this is Rivers Cuomo. He's yeah. like 80s hair metal to the T, man. Yeah. It's uh it's pretty crazy. Um and I don't want to gloss over everything else that came after that cuz there's a bunch of great stuff. The White Album. I know we could go on for five. I love the Black so. Album. Um it was interesting to me. So I skipped Pacific Daydream for whatever reason. Um, it just it was another moment where I just wasn't tapped in and I missed it. But I remember that was nominated for Grammys, although I think it was the poorest. Um, it was the worst uh, performing mm-hmm. album. Oh, performing. Yeah, I think it only it never cracked the top twenty, which I think every single other album has. Um, so I've, I haven't gone back to that one. That's one that I've kind of missed. Um, but I did get into the Black Album. I loved, there was some great stuff on the Black Album. Um, and the, the Teal Album was obviously fun. Um, but one thing I wanted to touch on before we wrap up is kind of uh, something that I mentioned to you when we were talking before all this. Um, that, again, my daughter was listening to pop radio a bunch on a road trip recently. Um, and a Weezer song came on that I knew, but... It sounded sonically 
cohesive with everything else that they were playing. They were playing Ed Sheeran and Justin Bieber and whatever else. And it, it gelled. And I was like, it's so crazy. It was all my favorite songs off of, um, uh, okay human. Uh, mm-hmm. and they did that with AJR again, rivers pivoting from being kind of averse early on to listening to pop music and being aware of what else is going on in music to like fully embracing it and working with breaking bands and taking them out on the road and, and collaborating with them. Um, but having this sort of, uh, ability to, consistently deliver in a pop space for a band that's about to hit its 30th anniversary of, of forming um, is crazy. And I look at the other bands and, and tell me if you think I'm missing anyone, but I, I heard a Billy Joe Armstrong song on that same, it was a cover, but it was on that same channel. And I'm like, this doesn't fit. I don't know why this is playing here. You know, Green Day has never been able to recapture that. And you think about the success they had in 2004 with American Idiot, which is right around the time of Make Believe. So there was this movement of embracing this pop rock, these, these rock ballad rock anthems um, mm-hmm. in, in pop culture. But Weezer has always been able to sustain that, where Green Day has been chasing that ever since 2004, I think. Um, you look at the Foo Fighters, Foo Fighters put out fantastic albums consistently, but they're never pop albums. They've leaned into that rock space. They went back to the garage and fully hit that. Yeah, just embraced um, it. Yeah. Blink-182, another band, they went out on like the Honda Civic tour with Weezer, um, and they have reinvented themselves and and kind of tried to hit a pop space again, but never, nobody does it like like Weezer does. And, and here's where, and again, this is not a judgmental space, but this could ruffle feathers. I would put Weezer then not in the air, the realm of those bands, although they are, they're, they're an alt rock band. You know, Weezer is then, uh, like Coldplay. They're like Maroon 5. You hear a Coldplay song or you hear a Maroon 5 song over the years and it's changed, but you can tell it's still that band. They still sound yeah, like that. Yeah, it's 100%. And comparing they're, they're... Weezer to those bands is probably not the most popular thing to do because those bands have been labeled pretty corny. Um, but I, I think Weezer is the only band that I can think of that has been able to do that, but also retain some kind of... Um, like ner- like cred, cred like, like yeah. original, yeah, yeah, and I think it, I think that has to do with where they came from, right? Yeah. You know, they didn't. Coldplay came right out of the gate and were that, mm-hmm. right? Weezer was more of this like word of mouth, hidden gem, you know, weird thing bubbling up. You, you got to remember when Buddy Holly was up for like video of the year that year, it was up against like TLC waterfalls Mm -hmm. and like all this other stuff that was like playing nonstop on MTV. And this Buddy Holly thinks gets notoriety because the video was super cool. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And, and so, so, and it was like, well, who, who are these guys? This is weird. They, they didn't insert themselves into the music industry the way Coldplay did. So that, that's why I think they're able to sort of, fly under the radar when it comes to avoiding that. Although I will say, you know, to be fair and to be a little critical, I, I've obviously come back around on Weezer. Now, I'm not invested in the same way I was in the early days. Uh-huh. The, these last few albums, like like you said, the Pacific Daydream, Black Album, Teal, all the, it's all blending together for me again. Sure. 
And uh, a lot of my friends that were hardcore Weezer fans have just like abandoned them totally. And, you know, even even comedian Hari Kondabolu has a, has a great comedy bit about like, what happened to Weezer? Like, how can you be like 50 and singing about teenage stuff, you know, or whatever? And when you take a step back, you're like, I guess that could be weird and cheesy and corny for the people were, that were there from the beginning that mm-hmm. changed their life like they did for me. So so it, in the mainstream, it's weird. It's like they're in this like purgatory of they're not the cheap cheesy Coldplay. By the way, Coldplay's awesome and yeah, they're Coldplay's great. concerts are awesome yeah. and, and I don't care what anybody says about Coldplay. But but um but they're sort of under that Coldplay cheese but above the super underground indie cool thing, right? Yeah. You know. Yeah. And they and they've but they created their own space and they get to live in it, man, and and like what bands get to survive 30 years, let alone three years or even three albums or whatever. Putting so, out pop, successful pop hits too. Successful, That's the thing. Now I will say it's a little frustrating when you see the Hell Omega tour and you see the entire place stand up for a standing ovation when they play Toto's uh, Africa. Sure, yeah, of course. And then they're yeah. all sitting down, going, "What's this sweater song they're yeah. singing about?" Yeah, 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 yeah. Gotta say yeah. that hurts a little bit, but that's just a generational thing. Yeah. But um, look, kudos to Rivers, the guys. You know, I mean, this thing all could have ended in 1996. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and to think the people that discovered them after that, like yourself included, or anybody who's a fan now, I mean, we're lucky to have this music in our lives. So you know, good on Rivers, good on the band for sticking it out, and yeah. and and they've switched things up a bunch too. They brought in a different drummer, as we were talking about, John Freeze, right? And, yeah, Josh um, Freeze, and and that was at a time. Sorry. Yeah, that was at a time. And, and Patrick Pat was playing, playing guitar because yeah. you know he had the special goodness and yeah. playing the rentals and was doing some weird stuff and fun yeah. stuff. And uh, by the way, fun fact: Do people know that Maya Rudolph was in the rentals? Do no. people know this? Wow. Maya no, Rudolph from that. SNL was in the rentals. Wow. I knew she could sing. I've heard her sing, but I didn't know that she... Yeah, go back, watch their first video or their first couple of videos. It's uh, it's pretty... You're like, whoa, because she doesn't look like the way she looks now, and she plays keyboard. It's yeah. It's really fun. But the, but the band Weezer is connected with so many fun things um, you know, in my life, and I'm sure everybody's mm-hmm. life, that that it's they, they've hit a lot of touch points, so... Look, I got I got married the day after I saw a Weezer show. I broke my collarbone the day after a Weezer show. <laughs> I I changed the course of my entire life after listening to a Weezer song. I mean, they are one hundred percent, without a doubt, ingrained in my life in a way that no other band can ever be because they changed my life. And so, that's all you could ever ask from an artist yeah. as an artist. Yeah, and so. they and they put on a heck of a show, man. They there's the yeah, the spectacle fun. and the production is great. You know, it's not it's not as over the top usually as uh, a Coldplay or a Muse show, maybe, but it, it's close. And that, like, they well, had, Hell Omega, they're getting they're getting they're having some fun. Yeah, yeah. and good for them, man. Like, yeah. I, the one that I saw um, where the Pixies opened up, that Rivers was out in a in a fake boat in the audience uh, singing No Scrubs, and I'm like, what am I even <laughs> watching right now? Like, he's he's fifty something, right? Like, I, <laughs> it's crazy, but. Um, yeah, it's, it, I, I'm, yeah. I'm going to give you one more tidbit Lena, before, before we go. Cause I know we have to wrap yeah. and I, I could do it. We, we didn't even touch on songs from the black hole. We got to do, I know. Uh, yeah. We'll, we'll do, do some I'll addendum. Have, yeah, we'll yeah, do addendum. For sure. So, uh, just to, th- this is how cool it was back in the day, pre phones, pre internet, pre anything for anybody who's listening to this, that, that, uh, wasn't alive to sniff that era. 
right? I call it the I call it the payphone era, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So I after I heard the sweater song, I, I went to Cleveland, which was the you know I, I grew up in a town just outside of Cleveland, and uh, I went to a place called Peabody's Down Under when Weezer was on that first tour. I walked up to the venue, which only held a hundred people. Right. Bought a ticket the day of the show. Wow. For three dollars to see Weezer. Oh my god. <laughs> That's insane. I still, have, I still have my ticket stub. Wow. And it's uh it's moments like that yeah. that you you know, I feel like unfortunately they're kind of missed upon now. The mm-hmm. whole mystery of a band and an artist and what you know, you sat Very there different. and you read the you sat there and you read the lyrics and leaf through the booklet and you're like, you know, they created a different theme and vibe. I mean, unfortunately most of that is gone, but but the music is still strong and mm-hmm. you can still connect in a different way but it was magical back then liam I, I thank you so much for asking me to be a part of this yeah i, I still have my uh uh you know if it's too loud turn it down t not only t-shirt but uh a huge giant banner that i got from spencer's gifts Did oh my gosh spencer's yeah gifts we had spencer's yeah in 1995 that i used to force every one of my bands i've ever been in to let me hang it up behind me while i played drums <laughs> and uh and I'll hold, I'll show you this. This is my original Weezer Blue Album T-shirt from 1994. Oh my gosh! Look S- at that size size extra large because my dad told me I would grow into it. <laughs> uh, wow, it's in great condition dad, still too. A medium. Yeah, yeah. Well, I took care of it. I only wore it on special occasions. Yeah. Uh, when when my band covers Weezer, I bust it out. It's you didn't get cool. married in that shirt. You got married in a Presidency of the United States of America shirt. I I did. Yeah, because yeah. that's you know you don't wear the shirt of the band you're going to see. No, of so course. I wore, I, or presidents. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mach five t-shirt. The Mach five song had just come out. So, so good. Was, uh, anyway, um, love you, Liam. Yeah. Love, love you Weezer. too, man. Thank you. Love thank your you co-host for, doing for this taking today. a break. So I can. Yeah. Speak <laughs> um, High five and four. Yeah, for sure. Well, so yeah, so Weezer just, uh, you know, we've talked about a bunch of, uh, incredible bands on this podcast and obviously much more to, to talk about in the future, but there is something highly unique about, them um and the fact that they can still do it and are still doing it with two albums out this past year is incredible um thank you mark for being here thanks everybody for listening to retro groove we're part of the retro logic network you can check out the website retrologic.games for social links merch community hop in the discord and uh and much more have a good one <laughs>